It's time for Outside the Box with Lincoln Stars head coach Rocky Russo and Stars broadcaster Cristiano Simonetta on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Outside the Box. This is Episode 7, the first show of 2022. I'm Cristiano Simonetta, joined alongside by Stars head coach Rocky Russo, producer Rico filling in for usual producer Ethan. But Rocky, we've been off the air for a couple of weeks. How was your Christmas? I mean, we, we talked all uh, show long before we went to the break about, you know, Christmas movies and the house being all decorated. So what was that like for you Christmas Eve and Christmas Day? First of all, how are we already on episode seven? That's crazy. I mean, we, we are just ripping through these. I feel like I haven't been here for a while because of our our Christmas holiday and gracious for the ticket to fill our, our slot with uh, some high quality national program that people probably would rather hear instead of us. <laughs> but uh, Christmas was awesome, man. It was great to uh, to kind of hang out at home and, and just me and my wife and my two daughters. It's It was different, obviously. We're used to being around a lot of family. So, um, you know, but, but we enjoyed it. My my older daughter, Ronnie, is, is into Santa now at two and a half years old and and uh, so she was really excited and, and enjoyed the uh, the time. And just dad being home for for about a week and not having to go to the rink and, and being able to spend time with them. So it was awesome. How about you? Uh, I was able to go back to Chicago, which was really cool. I hadn't been back there in about seven months and just to see some family. But then, you know, I got a really small family in the States, big family over in Italy. But uh, so my cousins got COVID. So it's one of those things where I come back. I was supposed to go to a Bulls game on the Tuesday with 15 of my friends. We got a suite that got canceled. We were going to go to a Hawks game, a Blackhawks game on the Thursday that got canceled due to COVID. So, uh, you know, it is what it is in today's climate. We'll talk about, uh, you know, that briefly when we talk about the World Juniors later on in the show. But it's just, it is what it is. But to be able to see family, I mean, you know that anytime uh, is very special. And then we come back and it's New Year's Eve. And instead of maybe, you know, having a couple cocktails before uh, the ball drops, we were playing in Tri-City for you. How often is that popped up in your career on December 31st playing a hockey game and coaching? Uh I've played a lot of hockey games on mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve was a, a staple in Amarillo, so uh, I was there for seven years. And seven years we had a New Year's Eve game, but it was always at home. Okay. And so uh, I I believe I was kind of chatting with my wife. I I do not recall ever being on the road for New Year's for uh, my entire career. So that's obviously why things didn't go very well that <laughs> night. We need to play at home on New Year's or not at all moving forward. And uh, was it weird not being home? Were you able to get home for, you know, 12 p.m. every no. time in the past no. or so? Okay. Oh, well, yeah. yeah I mean, because so, you were um, at home. We were at home. So actually, sometimes we would have a jersey auction. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a fair amount of New Year's as the ball dropped in the Civic Center in, oh, wow. in Amarillo with uh, with a lot of friends and fans and, and a pretty cool way to do it. And then uh, the last couple years, I was able to uh, to get home in plenty of time to be able to spend it with my wife. All right, Rico, let's bring you in here. You're not just here for show. What did you do? You know, Christmas, where are you from? Give a, you know, a brief little introduction. I know you're on the ticket and everybody knows who you are. You're the famous one around here. But uh, how is your Christmas? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about famous, but, you know, <laughs> people people do enjoy my presence. Uh, you know, I, I'm from Omaha. Uh, for Christmas, I went up uh, with the wife. We went to Central City. It was about two hours um, west of here, you know, central Nebraska. Went there for her mom's side of the family's Christmas and then late, late 
at night after that we drove up to orchard which is about two hours north of there uh about northeast northeast nebraska uh for her uh dad's side of the family's christmas so that was fun with a uh with a uh, four-month-old and a oh, two-and-a-half-year-old wow. daughter. Oh, so I feel was, you. Mine who is, is also three-and-a-half-months-old and two-and-a-half, two so oh, we are right in the yeah, same wheelhouse. Yeah, it's it's great. He just he just turned four months uh, on the 30th of December, so he got he, had, he got his four-month shots today, so he wasn't very happy. But uh, that drive was interesting because they were asleep before. They woke up about halfway through, didn't want to go to sleep. Both of them were crabby. It was a, a great experience that yes. I do not want to do again. If anybody knows what you're going through, it's me, <laughs> so I sympathize with you. Oh, yeah. I feel like you guys, now you just need to do a parenting show together. This is the start <laughs> of a beautiful spinoff show from outside the box. I, I talk whatever. about my kids for about five five minutes, 30 seconds, you know, whatever, <laughs> uh, at the beginning of my show. So it's people know my kids. They're great. Well, it's funny. We were... Um, this morning we were sitting there talking and, and uh, Corey said, what are you going to do? Are you going to go home? I go, I'm not going home. My daughter is a disaster right now. She is. <laughs> my wife can deal with her right now. I'm not dealing with that. So uh, God love her, but she was having a little bit of a rough morning. Does oh, she have yeah. any payback then in response? If she's having a bad week, you know, in the coming weeks, Rocky, you got to be at home. You got to be at home. No, my wife is a saint. She, <laughs> I mean, obviously there's things that she needs to do and, and, uh, I try to get home and I, I'm joking, obviously I try to get home and help her as much as I can. And, and she knows how important it is for me to be around the guys at work and doing what I do. But, uh, I love spending time with my kids and, and with my wife, my, I wish the, the little one would sleep a little bit more. Um, yep. that's obviously at, at this age is, is always a challenge, but, uh, when they hit two, two and a half, like, like mine is, then she's. She's fairly easy to manage, but she's hitting that terrible two stage where she's a little bit defiant right now. I'm 25. I have no kids. I have a girlfriend for a year and a, like five months. So I don't know. I'm I'm not ready to talk about kids don't at rush all. It, man. No, don't rush no it. shot. I'm, tw- I'm 28. So Look. 28 with two kids. It was. I think we got. See, she, we we talked about it the other day, and if she's listening, she's gonna be mad at me. I think we got engaged at like 22. So and then we had our first kid a little bit after that. So, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. I think it's like a hockey player's uh, trajectory, right? Like there's no right or wrong way to get to the NHL and Hey, there's no right or wrong way. To yeah. My, my sister had her first, her first one at, uh, I think 22 or 23 and he's 12. Now he's actually, my brother-in-law texts me and he's like, Hey, um, the futures camp, mm-hmm. can I sign Gavin up? And I'm like, what do you mean sign Gavin up? He's like, well, he's an 09. And I'm oh. like, no, no, he's not. <laughs> like, He's not old enough to come to my junior camp yet. Obviously, he's on the young end of the the future aspect, but uh, but he is actually old enough to participate in the camp that I'm I'm coaching the team for. So the life goes by pretty fast, that's for sure. Do you think there's any conflict of interest, or do you know it, it doesn't matter if it's a player or whatever? You're just going to treat him the exact same, even if you got some affiliation there. Oh, listen. I mean, he. I'm doing it because I want him to get some experience. He plays double A hockey back at home in Youngstown, Ohio, and has a little bit of a sheltered perspective on on <laughs> hockey. So I think coming and playing with some of the 07s and sticking around and watching some of our main camp will uh, will do do him well in regards to kind of understanding how hard he's going to have to work if he wants to play at this level. And more so for you, are you a little harder on, on him because you want him to succeed a little bit more maybe than... Of uh, course. And actually, my I've got a obviously a, a whole little team of mm-hmm. nieces and nephews that play. And um, my youngest nephew is is you know no disrespect to my oldest one Gavin he's great but the two younger ones 
uh, Logan and Dominic. Logan is very good. I could see him being a defenseman at, at a pretty high level. Dominic picked up playing goalie because all the other kids wanted to play and Dominic wasn't playing. And so they made him play goalie, found out he was really good, got his second shutout in two weeks this oh, wow. past weekend. And then the youngest one, Carmen, is just an animal. Like, he is the best skater out of all of them. He has the mo- the best work ethic out of all of them, and he just scores at will. So if there's going to be one that pops, it very well might be him. It's a good hint at uh, uh, one of our guests later this evening. Cameron White had a goaltender, and actually our trivia question for tonight, you can text in at 402-464-5685, giving away a four-pack to Saturday night's game against Sioux Falls. How many saves did Cameron Whitehead have in his first career USHL start with the Lincoln Stars. How many saves did Whitehead have? Not how many shots were against him. How many saves? Text it in at 402-464-5685. And also, as Rocky talked about in our previous episode, call into the show. We want to hear from you guys, all your questions, Lincoln Stars related, or maybe about Rocky's Ohio State Buckeyes in that fantastic Rose Bowl showdown against Utah. Call us at 402 464 Five six eight five. Rico, what about college football? What affiliations do you have? I uh, born in Nebraska, so you pretty know, easy. all all Cornhuskers all day. So that's pretty sad. So, were you happy that that they brought Scott Frost back for a, another year here? Um, new, new contract. We've we've discussed this for <laughs> many an hour uh, during the daytime hours, and uh, I, I, it's it's mixed feelings. Like I I want him to be here. I don't want people to get that twisted. I want him to be here, and I want it to work. But after four years of you know sub five hundred football, it's kind of hard to convince yourself. Yeah, we should bring him back. But I, you know, people have done it, and I, I mean, I, I guess I'm all for it. And if this season doesn't work out, I, I really don't see a way that he comes back. So I just, I don't know. I, I'm all in for this season, though. He's I'm all guy, in. I like the changes. A, he's a vet. He's a he's a an alum. He wants mm-hmm. to be here. Um, I did hear something interesting that my man's got to do some more work behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that to be fact. That's just a rumor that I heard. But um, you know, I I like him, and and I think he's got some passion. And you know, I've become a de facto Cornhusker <laughs> fan. Wherever I move, I end up kind of rooting for the teams around that area. And Good. so. I'll root for the Cornhuskers all the time, except when they're playing my Buckeyes. Everybody knows that. But uh, um, I hope they do well. I think it's awesome, and I'd, I'd love to be able to be in that stadium when oh, yeah. it's rocking and they're winning. I think it's got to be such an incredible environment. Maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, well, me being from Chicago, I'm a Patriots fan. Get that out I of the you. way. I got you. I got you. I know. I yeah. know. But it's the weird situation with the Chicago Bears and Matt Nagy. He was coach of the year in 2018, and they've played you know poorly and underperformed ever since. And it's like he's still there. Now they're winning some, you know, meaningless games. It's weird. And it's like, are they going to bring him back again? So it's a weird parallel when you see, you know, uh, a college like Nebraska that is just so adamant about winning and and culture and all that stuff because Mm -hmm. that's how it was, you know, when I was growing up in the the early 90s. But, uh, yeah, they just haven't been able to put it together in quite some time. Got a quarterback there with the Chicago Bears. They do. Put somebody around them because that kid is the real deal. A hundred percent. If we want to just quickly di- divert into a Justin Fields take, he is the right guy. hundred percent. He's unbelievable. Denver passed on him. Oh, like yeah. there were some teams that should have taken him higher. And, um, I think he's going to, he's going to come back to bite some teams. I think he's special. Obviously I watch all their games mm-hmm. and, uh, watching him for two years and in, in a Buckeye Jersey, he was, he was the motor and, 
you know, I, they've had great quarterbacks there year in and year out, and, and Dwayne Haskins was an outstanding college quarterback, obviously struggling in the NFL. I think C.J. Stroud is, is the real deal. Um, and the guys before that, J.T. Barrett and what have you, but Justin Fields was the first legit NFL quarterback that played for the Buckeyes in a long time. And everybody rips on the Ohio State quarterbacks, but mm-hmm. just because you're a good quality college quarterback doesn't necessarily make you an NFL quarterback and they didn't recruit for NFL style quarterbacks in, at Ohio State for a long time Urban Meyer wanted to run pass option and do all that stuff and Ryan Day runs a more um, a more NFL ready type offense and I I'm curious to see uh, what what uh, happens at Nebraska just to circle back obviously your quarterback takes off and decides he's going to go elsewhere he was a, a pretty dynamic run pass type of guy it sounds like and I, I'm showing a little bit of my uh, naivety to to the Cornhusker program but it sounds like there's a little bit more of an NFL ready type quarterback waiting in the wings there so should be interesting yeah and Mac Jones from New England Patriots kind of that example of all right he's he He's that type of guy. He's, he's ready. He's ready, and he's a he's a pocket passer. Doesn't need to show that much flair. And then they looked at Justin Fields and were like, "Oh, it's too much flair. It's never going to work." And now they're trying to critique him in Chicago. It's not not the case when you don't even have Allen Robinson the last couple of weeks. It's there unfair. was too much time between the draft and or between the end of the season and the draft. And like, I just I was watching these stories unfold mm-hmm. about Justin Fields, and he's not this, and he's not that, and he doesn't take his game seriously, and blah 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 blah. And I'm like. They literally have nothing to write about. And so they're literally just making stuff up to get clicks, and and it's hurting this poor kid's draft stock because he was lights out against Clemson, like lights out. And and obviously things didn't go well against Alabama, whatever, but like the reality of it is is Alabama was a juggernaut, and they just didn't have the horses. Their running back gets hurt first play of the game, and, and so their running game is gone. And um, But Mac Jones was awesome. And clearly you're seeing it now in the NFL. He's a pocket passer. He's, you know, but if you can't block for that guy, there no. might be problems, right? If you would put Justin Fields behind a big-time offensive line, you might have something really special there. You'll have to see what happens in Chicago. Yeah, just give him one weapon. David Montgomery's great out of the backfield, but just a couple of guys to help him out. All right, that was our, you know, in the first yeah. segment. We, we could go on, <laughs> on and on, Enrico. I know you could fill in and, and help us out, but this is a Lincoln Stars uh, program for those of you tuning into Outside the Box. Big win for you guys, Rocky, on Saturday night against Omaha. A great crowd. Dalton Norris, you know, he described it as a quote-unquote blizzard, but it was pretty hazy ice conditions. A out blizzard? There. That you kid's know, from Michigan, It was man. after the game. He, you know, he saw the snow trickling in. But it was it was dicey for the fans to get in, and they packed the barn. It was a really great crowd. And for Joe LeMay to, to score the OT winner for you, you've experienced some great crowds with Lucas Wallen's overtime, uh, or excuse me, the shootout goal. You have Joe LeMay, the OT winner against Fargo. For you, where does that rank in your uh, Lincoln Stars memories? You know what? I was I was actually really stressed about uh, Saturday's game in regards to the crowd because I knew we had a lot of tickets out. It was a New Year's Day game, hoping for, for a great environment. And then with the um, with the weather and the ice and everything that was going on, it was like, are people going to come out? Are they going to be here for this game? But they showed up. They showed out. It was loud. It was... Um, it was rowdy. It was a great environment. Um, of all the cool things that I've witnessed so far in the ice box, which ironically in such a short period of time, there's been a lot of yeah. them, right? Like the two goals and, and then the overtime winner for Henry Nelson, 
um, Joe's overtime winner, Wallen shootout winner, and then Joe's second overtime winner. Unfortunately for Joe, this one is probably at the bottom, um, and not because it wasn't a special play, but because I didn't realize it went in. And so you obviously got the bird's eye view mm-hmm. on the bench. Um, he went to the net. He shot it. There was like it felt like a year of just like waiting. And I'm like, where's the puck? And then his hands went up. And then all of a sudden we see the ref point and it was all delayed kind of. And so there wasn't that natural excited reaction from us because we weren't sure it was actually in the net where when he scored last time, mm-hmm. no brainer. The obviously Henry's was special because we scored two in the last 30 seconds mm-hmm. to tie it. And then Wallen's, you know, the shootout winner was amazing. But that's not to take anything away from from the shot, the play. Everything was dynamic, just as Joel LeMay is as a player. He put his hands up before the puck went in. And I talked to him after the game, and he said, yeah, I did it so the refs will think, even if it doesn't go in, that, hey, maybe they'll think it went in and then call it, and it's tough to, you know, overturn with the review. But, yeah, it, for me, I have the, the best view because I'm on that side, number one, as well, and I'm elevated. It just, you know, off the crossbar, off Kevin Pash's back, and, and then in, and, and you see the reaction from Joe, a big-time goal for him. And I mentioned to you after the game, it seems like every goal he's scored, it's a meaningful goal. So for him to produce like that from the back end, having a six-game point streak, it must have been a Game winner in Sioux Falls, mm-hmm. couple overtime winners. Um, Joe's definitely a, a big-time player. There's, you know, there's, there's no surprise that he's a, a fourth-round NHL draft pick with the way that he's performed this year, but... Um, I did get an opportunity to see it on the digital board after, and you can see it rattle around and bounce off the goalie's back. And only at that point was I was like, okay, we're good. Because I saw the refs go to look mm-hmm. at it, and Omaha was kind of waiting a second. Their goalie would have needed a new stick because it looks like he right destroyed away. his right on the crossbar, so he knew that it was in the net. Um, but that gave me a little bit of uh, a little bit of a, a relaxing feeling once I was able to see it on the uh, on the digital board. And then 30 seconds before regulation ended, you had a close call again. For you, you're on the bench. You see Joey Pierce takes a shot. Good butterfly save by Pash. And then you just raise that left arm. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, no, this better not go in. Appears to go off his hand and in. So what was that like on the bench? You hear the you know the crowd, but uh, then a review session. So I didn't actually see him bat it in. I, for whatever reason, my eyes were playing tricks on me. I thought it had bounced off his chest. And... So I'm like, that's going to count. And George was George immediately was like, that is not a goal. He's like, that is not a goal. We're not even going to discuss it as a goal. And then one of the guys might have been Daltz was like, I'm pretty sure it went off their D stick. And so I'm like, OK, I'm curious. I still don't know the answer to this. Mm-hmm. If that counts, if it deflects off the, the, the defenseman sticking into the net or not, whether that has to be deemed possession or a touch or whatever. That's a question for another time, but obviously they reviewed it. We took the approach of this is not going to count. We're not even going to focus on it. We asked where the faceoff was at, and and we tried to just get ready for that faceoff for the last 30 seconds of the period. And, of course, it had to be Joey, right? It could have been any other guy, and it's a, he's looking for his first USHL goal and what a goal it would have been. But I mean, even... If it was Daltz, they would have counted it, <laughs> right? But because it's Joey, he's not getting he's not getting the benefit of it out there. Oh. But, hey, if you can't shoot it in, maybe throw it in and see if, see if it helps for yeah. you. So. Or Andrew Shaw, you can, you know, headbutt it in in the playoffs, too. You could try that. But, uh, yeah, what a crazy moment that was in a sequence. You guys pull out uh, the big victory. You're 9-4. and four. 
at home in the ice box. We talked about it even before you uh, played your first regular season there and coached there. It just seems like that building, if you can take advantage of the crowd and the way that building is sort of designed, it's really tight in the D zone and offensive zone. You can make plays, but at the same time smother, you guys will find success, and I think you guys have executed that way. Yeah, I mean, we, we love playing at home and playing in front of our fans. It's it's definitely an advantage, and you know, like we talked about in the press conference today, it's it's hard to play on the road, and, and just like we're taking advantage of that home ice advantage – those teams are coming in here knowing this is a tough environment. The fans are on top of you. It's loud. Um, you can't really talk to your team during inter- or during the media timeouts because it's so loud. Your coach probably has to take ibuprofen every game. I know I certainly do. Um, you know, and and so it's not an easy place to play. And and I think that's what makes it so special. Our fans take pride in that, right? They want it to be a a, a hostile environment for our opponents and and uh obviously we've been able to take advantage of it so far rico when was the last time you've been to a stars game i went to a stars game two three years ago so before before, before my daughter so yeah before all this yeah and before all this yeah <laughs> didn't before mean your daughter everything. this no no yeah no i get you yeah before all this uh i i had gone so i went to college in carney mm-hmm. so i went to a Bunch of Tri City Storm games. Get this guy out of here, <laughs> Ethan. What are you doing to us? But- Look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's that. It was. It was. Uh, my. I was not that into hockey. My wife liked hockey. It was the only hockey show in town. So we went and we watched a bunch of that. And we've gone. We've gone to uh, a couple of Stars games, but the last one we went to was about three years ago, and it was a blast. Well, I still don't like really understand this guy exactly. To a star, I game. still don't really understand hockey. <laughs> it's I just get very confused. I can't find the puck with my eyes. I just I'm like, oh, these guys are going this way, so it must be somewhere over there. I don't know what's going on, but uh, it's it's fun. It's fun. Let's get him up in the booth with mm-hmm. you, maybe doing a little bit of color or something, and and I bet she gets a crash course pretty quickly. I like it. I like it. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe. And another- I wouldn't say no right away. Okay, well, then we're just going to make that happen. Really and another reason why Saturday's game was such a big deal, it was for Dalton Norris's 100th in the USHL. You don't often see guys hit that 100 mark, especially with him with injuries in his second season and COVID shortening both of his past two seasons. For him, as a, your captain, to get that honor, to score in that game, he just demands respect and commands it as well from everybody in that locker room as soon as you and even before you made that announcement in September that he was going to lead your team yeah I mean obviously Daltz is he's just a special person and and uh he's always got a smile on his face he's uh you know he works hard he's his game has come so far since when when he came into the league three years ago to where it is now and I've told him so I could say it on the radio, but I mean, when I took the job, there was half the guys I was talking to about this roster in the hockey community were like, you got to keep that Norris kid. He's such a great kid. He's got leadership qualities. And then the other half were like, you need to trade that Norris kid. He can't skate. He's not good enough. You're going to need a better player. And, uh, you know, I watched some video on him and I'm like, I don't really have a problem with the way he skates, and I remembered him from Midget. Mm-hmm. We had been, we'd been looking at him a little bit when I was in Amarillo at the time, and and uh, you know I came into training camp and the first couple practices, and after obviously watching him during main camp, I'm like, there's there's no issues with the skating. He's not a speedster by any means of the imagination, but. 
but he is he's more than capable and obviously his shot is dynamic his offensive instincts are great he's got 11 goals already this year he's going to be a 20 goal scorer as a defenseman as a 20 year old and who knows that that puts you in the conversation for defenseman of the year in the United States Hockey League and that's something that's pretty darn special it was crazy for me watching him through his first two years because every time it seemed like he'd start to get more playing time, get a bigger role, he'd get injured. And that was a really tough part for him. And his shots weren't going in. They were hitting posts. They were hitting sticks. They were hitting bodies in front. Now it's like he's creating that space. It helps with the guys who's passing to him, for sure, Thompson, LeMay, et cetera. But those one-timers that he's hit from the right circle, sometimes it's like how do you even put that in that spot that preciseness and it's that blistering of a slap shot he he works on that obviously and you know I get on him all the time about hitting pucks from bad angles and getting you can't just hit perfect passes now he's got two potential NHL players passing him the puck obviously with with Thompson with LeMay so you're not going to get a better a better situation than that but at the end of the day, he's done a really good job of, of working on it. And, you know, I've told him if it's in front of you, you got to get your feet around it. If it's behind you, you got to find a way to make it work. Like you got to shoot the puck and, and at the very least you make yourself a threat and that opens up some of those other options on that power play. And, and then you've got Joe who can shoot it. Tom's who just scored on Friday from that spot. He can shoot it. We've seen Luke Johnson be really dangerous from the bumper spot. And, and so you know, those guys are all capable of putting pucks in the net, but Daltz has been kind of the catalyst behind that group. We'll be back with more Lincoln Stars hockey on Outside the Box after the break. Outside the Box with Lincoln Stars head coach Rocky Russo and Stars broadcaster Cristiano Simonetta. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Outside the Box, segment number two. I'm Cristiano Simonetta, joined alongside my Stars head coach, Rocky Russo. Defenseman Carter Shade and goaltender Cameron Whitehead have joined us for this segment. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. Carter, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. How are you? Doing good. Cameron, a little nervous? I'm, I'm cool. I'm good. You're cool. All right. We, we went through media the first time probably, what, one or two months into the season, so we're, we're really throwing you into the fire. A nice, you know, 35 minute radio show segment rocky we were just talking off the show we almost missed our intro we almost we're talking did. about the nba and lebron yes. at in high school yes. like so it'll it'll you know transition really well because i know carter shade is a very odd football tie and affiliation his favorite team but let's just get back to what we were talking about off the air me and rico were discussing the new york knicks and how they need to beat the indiana pacers right now and you're just not into to the nba right now. could not possibly care less um, and like I said off the air, I grew up in in the Jordan generation, right? Like I I loved watching um, the Chicago Bulls back then, the Pistons, the Knicks, the Pacers, right? Like those were the squads back then that were that were fun to watch. Even you know the Cavs with Mark Price. That's how far back I go. Oh my gosh. Um, but uh, I'm I'm letting everybody know how old I am right now, but. Um, you know, now it's just, they, they're like a bunch of prima donnas and, and, uh, you know, the, the, I turn on ESPN radio and it's, it's just drama about Kyrie who <laughs> obviously helped bring a, a championship to, to Cleveland. So I am in, 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 have some gratitude for him because, you know, there's finally a championship in Cleveland and, um, and I think that's great. Carter will 
never see one with his football team. Oh um, but but at the end of the day, there is one because of Kyrie and and because of LeBron, obviously. And um, so I do have some love for that, but I'm just not interested. It's not it's not good basketball to me. Like like the basketball that I grew up on, and even watching college basketball, like I enjoy it. Like. You watch James Harden, he takes like 17 steps before he shoots the ball. Every time you even blow on him, he falls like somebody shot him. It's like watching soccer. It's terrible. And and I just I can't get into it. I can't. And I know there's diehard NBA fans. I respect it. But it's not the NBA that I grew up on. Gotcha. Yeah, no, the physicality for sure. Definitely. Went Bill in. Lambeer. Oh, like God. those guys were the real deal. <laughs> Not now. We're gonna have a. We're gonna devote every single future episode to again something about the NBA. We're gonna go into it really hard about why Rocky, you know, oh, I'll, ticked I'll, off about. The I'll NBA. get after it. I don't mind. <laughs> well, Carter, let's talk about the NFL and your Cleveland Browns last night taking Clowns. a tough, tough loss against Big Ben in his what could be his final game in Pittsburgh. Probably is going to be. Watch Big Ben play in high in college too. I was at the game at Kent State versus Miami. I was the only one sitting in the stands because there was like four inches of snow on top of all the seats because it was so cold. But I had a $10 bet with my buddy on the game, and I would not leave until the game ended because I was committed to winning that $10. Six degrees of separation with Rocky Russo. Carter, Cleveland, you're from Mars, Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh. How in the heck did that happen? Well, originally I was born in Westlake, Ohio, so obviously there's my Cleveland tie, but yeah, I moved to Pittsburgh when I was younger, but I've always liked the Browns. I never liked the Steelers, but I do like the Penguins, so there's that. But, you know, last night's game was, you know, you could say excuses. Baker's been banged up a little bit, but he stinks. Maybe it's time for a change there at the QB position, but, you know, it's a tough game. Anybody that is a true Browns fan, and I, I know a lot of them, obviously. You know where I'm from, Carter, in, yeah. in Northeast Ohio, and – in Youngstown, you're either a, a Steelers fan or a Browns fan. And obviously, the Steelers have won Super Bowls and the Browns have won toilet bowls. <laughs> and so all of my friends and family that are Browns fans, I have the utmost respect for because you are a diehard oh, fan of a team that has no chance to win for whatever <laughs> reason. They're like the Detroit Lions. like They just can't get out of their own way. And, and I, last year they were pretty good, right? And you came into the season <laughs> feeling good about it, right? We yeah, got a really good, good team. We got a we got a good coach. We got a quarterback that's figuring it out. And as soon as something even looks like it's good in a, in a Cleveland Browns situation, it will ultimately ultimately fall on its face. Yeah, Baker Mayfield's thrown I think four more interceptions than the next quarterback over the last three seasons. He's thrown the most. Cameron from Orleans, Ontario. What was your sports ties growing up uh, up north? Pretty much just hockey and Ottawa Senators. Um, it's not really other much sports up there than like the CFL and stuff. I've gone to a few CFL games with the the Red Blacks, but I mean it's not very good football at the end of the day, so it's not really much fun to watch. Have you told like uh, whether it's you know American teammates stuff like that about the CFL and a weird rule that's up there that would really confuse the heck out of us? They don't really know what it is. To mm -hmm. be honest, I told my bill dad about it, and he didn't even know what it was. So. The Grey Cup, right? The yeah. Grey Cup, yeah. yeah. Uh, Yoshi Hardwick, who used to play uh, for Nebraska, he's been in a couple of our games. He won the Grey Cup. I forget which team it was off the top of my head. But, yeah, Grey Cup, hey, it's no easy feat, even if you got the, you know, the end post and the goal post is right in the middle of the end zone. How do more people not run into it? That's what I don't understand. Cameron? Did you, have you ever seen anybody run into when you were watching a game or anything like that? I've got that? no answer for that one. <laughs> it was kind of like uh, a few years back in Houston, they had the flagpole – 
in play in center field. And and then you had to run up a yep. hill to get to the fence. It was a wild scenario there in play. And I, I see some of those CFL games with those those uh, goalposts being in play. I think it's wild. It's old school NFL, right? Yeah, I know. In Minimade Park. I mean, Carlos Beltran was that center fielder just scaling up there. And I always thought, like you just said, how in the heck he's tracking a fly ball? He's not. And you got to run uphill. Yeah. It's like playing in, playing wiffle ball in your friend's backyard. It's crazy. So, Cameron, just the Ottawa Senators, what was that Stanley Cup run like for you? You know, they were one. You know, you look at either 2007 when they lose against the Anaheim Ducks, uh, Ray Emery on that team. But then they're one goal away from the Stanley Cup final, and Chris Kunitz scores for, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Was, who was that? Yeah. Was the Penguins? Yeah. Right. It was. Uh, so what was that like? You, uh, six years ago, diehard Ottawa Senators fan feeling that heartbreak. Personally, I've never been a diehard Senators fan. It's more of my family has okay. been. But um, it didn't affect me too much. I mean, <laughs> he I mean after care. that. He doesn't care. Move on. After that year is the downfall of the Sens. They've never been good since that. So um, it definitely hurt. Not if Josh Norris has anything sure. to say about it. Friend of the program, probably. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some six degrees of separation right exactly. there. Dalt's older brother plays for the the uh, the Ottawa Senators, so hopefully he can help turn it around there. And two Pittsburgh Penguins fans, you grew up during the resurgence of the Penguins when they nearly relocated, and for you, you were seeing the glory days of Francis and Yager and Lemieux. We talked about it. So Carter, growing up, was it the Penguins, and were you hearing those rumors when you were really, really young? But then they drafted Sidney Crosby, Marc-Andre Fleury, and then they turned into a dynasty. I mean, yeah, when I was younger, I really didn't, <clears throat> really didn't know much about it, but obviously when I started growing up, started playing hockey, they obviously won the cup in 09 and then won it back to back in 16 17. So, I mean, that was just special to watch as a Pens fan. And to be able to see that was something unique. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I went through the, the glory days 90, 91, 92, <coughs> 93, right? Back to back cups in the conference final. They should have won it in 93, mm-hmm. too. That was probably the best team out of the three of them. Um, and then, and then obviously Mario has the issues with the back and, and the, the cancer and and what have you and and so ultimately that program went the wrong way i also remember sitting in that building in the probably the the late 90s early 2000s where it was literally awful kobe armstrong was their best player <laughs> and that that's obviously played in the nhl he's a good player but he's not an upper echelon player from an nhl standpoint and then you end up with with those drafts with malkin and and with Flurry and with Crosby obviously and Mario Super Mario saves the franchise and buys it and and then just turns around sells it to the to the Fenway group mm-hmm. and he puts 400 million in his pocket and retains ownership rights like you want to talk about that story is pretty awesome yes. too because he had some deferred salary that was owed to him and um, was able to kind of turn that into uh, into the the purchase of the of the organization. Yeah, he bet on himself, which was also the craziest thing. Like he thought, okay, as a player, we're still going to be fine, and then as an owner, that's just such a, that's a movie like uh, storyline where you have a player who's an owner and a coach and all that type of stuff. Uh, it's just crazy that he could have had. And Pascress, he is the best player of all time. What about you in that argument because of those injuries, because of the cancer when it comes to number 66? I, I obviously, am biased because I'm a Penguins fan. I have the utmost respect for Wayne Gretzky and for, you know, if you if you talk to the older generation, they'll, they'll tell you Gordy Howe was the best player that ever played um, because he did everything, right? And, and you can talk about a bunch of different players that came through I believe with Mario Lemieux's strength, his skating, his size, um, 
he scored big time goals at that that would still go in the net today. If you go back and you watch highlight films of Wayne Gretzky, like the goalies are just standing up and and kicking at pucks and like the game has changed so much. And Gretzky was special, but would he have the point totals playing in this era that he had back then? I don't think so. Whereas I believe that Lemieux's game translates and he would still be a dynamic, powerful first line center playing in this era, which is what I think makes him so special. Yeah, at six foot four, that North Stars goal definitely stands out where he's splitting two guys forehand, backhand. I mean that's a that's a goal scorer's goal. For you guys, the new generation at, you know, two thousand two, two thousand three born guys, it's crazy. Two thousand four. Who's the best player in the NHL, guys? Carter, start with you. I mean, I think it's developed more into McDavid. But, you know, there's still Sid, who's an um, has unbelievable hockey IQ. And then Ovi obviously has an unbelievable shot. But, you know, I'm going to have to go with McDavid. Cameron? I would have to go with McDavid as well. He's just so dynamic and fast. I mean, the the McDavid thing is popular in our locker room. We've had lots of conversations about this. I have to, I have to smack Laba around oh, every man. once in a while, that kid. Um, you know, to me, obviously, Connor McDavid's special. There's no question about that. His skating ability and, and the goals that he scores are highlight real goals. Um, I just wonder, like, why doesn't it translate to more wins? Is that an uh, an Edmonton Oilers problem? Um, yes. Is that a Connor McDavid problem? Like, they have good players. They have good players. Why doesn't it translate to more wins? And so when you when you look at a a generational talent, he absolutely is. Does that translate to Stanley Cups? We'll find out. Mm-hmm. How many does Sidney Crosby have? Uh, Alex Ovechkin only has one, right? Um, you know, when you talk about the best players in the league, obviously Taves and Kane, like Kane is still there. Taves had to take the year off last year. He's back. We'll see if he can have a resurgence in his career. Patrice Bergeron, like those are guys that have been there for a long time and now you've got the Austin Matthews of the world and the McKinnons and the McCars and the the Dreisaitl's those guys are the next up and coming group and I think that McDavid falls into that category but until he does something in the playoffs like yes he might be the the most talented player in the league but but it takes more than talent to be considered the best player in the league you've got to put your team on your back at some point and win some playoff games and he's not done that yet. And Cameron, as a goaltender, when you were growing up, who were some guys in the NHL that you idolized and said, oh, I really like the way he plays. I kind of want to be like him. I mean, Carey Price has always been a big one. Obviously, he's one of the best goalies to ever play the game. Um, now I'm looking at uh, Thatcher Demko. Yeah. I see a lot of similarities in him. My goalie coach last year related to me to him a lot, and he was a big influence on me. So I looked at him a lot. Um, R relates me to Elvis Merzlinkin. Uh, so those are the those are the three guys I like to look at a lot. Were you always this tall? You know, I know you're only no. 18 years old, no. but growing up, because the goaltending position has evolved, where there were shorter guys. You know, Darren Pang always loves to tell the story about he was, you know, he's five foot six. And I he can was a look goaltender. Darren Pang right in the <laughs> yeah. eye. Let me tell you, he couldn't play in the league anymore. <laughs> no, he had zero shutouts in 82 games. He always likes to say that. But as, when you were growing up, did your size ever be? When was the first moment where a coach told you, "Hey, you're tall, you're a big goalie. This is gonna work." I don't think I got my height till I was maybe like 16. Really? Yeah, I was I was never really the tallest kid on the, the team or anything like that. Um, and I don't really know what happened. The doctors always told me I was going to be tall, but I never knew when it was going to come. So 
Then, that uh, was a blessing as a goalie. <laughs> yeah, especially nowadays. And it, again, talks about our uh, trivia question of today. Text us at 402-464-5685, the winner of the trivia contest. We'll get four tickets to Saturday's game against Sioux Falls. How many saves, and guys, don't spoil it, did Cameron Whitehead have in his uh, USHL debut with the Lincoln Stars? Text us and call us if you have a question for Rocky, myself, Cameron, or Carter, 402-464-5685. Still waiting for that first question, someone to call in. I don't want anybody to like prank. I feel like your guys' billet dad, Eric Reese, would definitely <laughs> star 67 us. Go Listen, that Honda of Lincoln hotline is ready to go. We would love to hear from our fans to call in and talk, and we can chat hockey. We can talk about uh, you know Cameron and, and, uh, and Carter's personal lives and their families and, and all that good stuff, or, or we can talk football. We can talk Just not baseball. basketball. Not <laughs> NBA basketball. That's off the off the uh the record here so carter tell us a little bit about uh you know your your pathway here from uh uh, from pittsburgh to uh to the lincoln stars yeah obviously i played in pittsburgh i think seven years or so um you know it was it's a special place there they built that upmc lemieux sports complex at i mean elite level training i went to the, the excel hockey academy which was we go to north catholic a high school and then for about seven periods, and then we come down, practice, work out, and then you know later you have team practice on later in that day. But you're just getting high level training every day, and the the coaches they brought in Brian Mueller, who was a big advocate for me. He and he, I like to say he changed my game, made me the player I am today. But yeah, having having people like that available to me to work with me was something huge for my career. And how how special is it? Obviously, you're born in Ohio but you've lived in in Pittsburgh so long how special is it to be able to go to Penn State University honestly I know my dad probably won't be happy because I mean he's happy obviously he supports me but you know he's a big Ohio State guy so, oh yeah I know that's he, why he and I get along <laughs> yeah he loves the Buckeyes but you know I just fell in love with Penn State when I went there and it was just my decision and that's what I decided to do well I, I will root for you in all your games except for the Buckeyes because I'm a Buckeye fan and that's just how it is. And, um, but I love the staff obviously there at, at Penn state coach Godowski and, and, and fish and pags are great guys. And, and, uh, you couldn't have picked a better situation there to, uh, to continue your college career. We'll be back with, uh, Cameron and Carter more after the break. You are listening to outside the box. Back to outside the box with Rocky Russo and Cristiano Simonetta. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to Outside the Box. It is January 4th, 2022. Familiar song for you guys, especially after home games at the Icebox 9 and 4 at home this season. Cameron, for you, just a really quick answer before we get into your origin story of your hockey career and how you came to Lincoln. What's that like backstopping that overtime victory on Saturday against the Lancers? Uh, it was great. I didn't even have to take a shot, so it was kind of it wasn't as stressful as it could have been. But um, no shots in overtime. No shots in overtime. Just had to stand there. Um, just got to watch it unfold. So it was it was fun. Did you know that goal went in from the other side of the rink when uh, it went off yeah. of Kevin Pash? Yeah. So you saw yeah. it. Well, well, Joe raised his hands I think before <laughs> it went in, so I just assumed it went in, and then there you um, go. Just celebrate. Apparently, I was the only one that wasn't convinced that it was in because I was sitting there waiting for the referee to point, and then once he did, I was finally able to 
breathe a sigh of relief because uh, I didn't see it go in from that angle from the bench. As Rocky set up during the break, Cameron, so you grew up in Orleans, Ontario, and now you're in Utica, New York last year. So what was that like playing for uh, the Comets uh, and the NCDC? And then you find out you're coming to the Lincoln Stars of the USHL this year. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, my first year of junior hockey was first time leaving home as well. It was it was pretty nerve-wracking, but um, all the guys were good there. Um, I was pretty fortunate to have uh, Robert Esch as a goalie coach there full-time since the AHL season wasn't playing, so he was he was with us every day, and he taught me a lot on and off the ice. Um, and obviously it opened a lot of doors for me, so it gave me the opportunity to come here after getting drafted. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. And then that first weekend after that Pittsburgh showcase – and I don't mean to embarrass him, but there was like 10 or 12 kids, or kids, excuse me, schools, all wanting to talk to Cameron Whitehead after making a certain number of stops. We need this ticket. Uh, tickets give, given away. Rico, any winners just yet on this hotline? Um, we've had two people guess. I don't know the answer. All right, well, you, uh, can, you can give me the answer here. Uh, what are the answers so far? Uh, we, have one, we have both people saying 29. Okay, so we're going to pick one of those two winners. That that's twenty nine is the magic number, huh? It is the magic number. I did not know that. Uh, full disclosure, my my daughter was born. Um, what two days before that? Mm-hmm. We were still in the hospital with her, and I watched the game from home. But uh, but I did not uh, I did not keep close track of uh, of the number of saves there. So, kudos to our fans there for for figuring that out. And yes, I was actually getting calls and texts during the game. Really? Actually, yes. There were five or six teams, uh, schools that called me during the game because they knew I wasn't there. And uh, and they're like, where did this Whitehead kid come from? And uh, and is he available? <laughs> and so I started dishing his number out a little bit and talking to some schools about him. And um, obviously that process happened fast. Cameron, tell us a little bit about uh, the whirlwind that turned into your commitment to Northeastern. Yeah, it was a pretty it was pretty stressful two weeks, you know. I've never really been the never been in the spotlight like that before. So, you know, having all these schools reach out to you almost every day it was it was pretty uh pretty surreal and it's a dream come true as well. So, um and you know, Northeastern, they were the first ones to offer me. Um and I really felt like they were the ones that believed in me and wanted me to play there. So, um that's that's the main reason I went with them. Yeah, there was a there was a level of comfort there for me as well. Obviously, there was great schools that were calling and talking to you and I knew all the guys at the other schools but I've known Mike Levine for a really long time and uh, Mike's a pretty straight shooter and and he was the first guy to get on you he was the first guy to call me and uh, when Cameron made his decision to go to uh, Northeastern I was really happy and and excited for him I think it's a a great situation and obviously it's been a a place that guys can go and and ultimately move on and play in the National Hockey League. Carter during all that because you know you've had this path set for so long before you even you know step foot in the USHL you're committed to Penn State but when he's you know going through that entire circus of trying to find out his commitment did he lean on you a little bit in that situation too yeah he he leaned on me and at times so he leaned on us a lot you know just asking us questions about I mean he really kind of did on his own he did a lot of research so I give him kudos to that but yeah he leaned on me a lot and you know kind of helping him but it's kind of funny to watch him he's stressing out that all those two weeks he was 
every day he'd come downstairs freaking out. I mean, it was a good time. Yeah, you guys live together. So one, I want to get one good thing about living with the other guy and one bad thing. And I know you guys have a heck of a house with uh, Eric and Candy Reese who are probably tuning into the program. Carter, let's start with you. What's one nice thing about living with Cameron Whitehead? I mean, you know, come on, come on. <laughs> I really got to think about it. <laughs> oh, man, Whitey, what are you doing? <laughs> Let's just say we, you know, we usually always find a way to have a good time together. We, I mean, we usually mess around a lot, but, you know, we, uh, we have a good time. I mean, today we got in the hot, new hot tub at the house, Ooh. so that was good. But, you know, we always spend some quality time together. So Anything to nitpick from him? Does he not clean the dishes? Like anything like that that comes to mind? Uh, honestly, no. That's he's, great. He's a pretty good Look, roommate. It's the answer I'm looking for. That means you don't share an actual bedroom <laughs> then together, no, right? Yeah. No, we do Because the guys that actually share bedrooms <laughs> probably have an entire different conversation for us to have. We're going to have to start asking that question and pairing the roommates up when we bring them on to the, to the show. Cameron, what about you? Not to say the same thing. We get along really Look well, so it's so it's fun. Well, now he can't say anything bad. <laughs> no, Shader didn't it, say anything bad about him. I was expecting him to just completely rip <laughs> Carter for about two minutes. Okay, but now one thing you guys can't agree on, Eric Reese. Well, you guys get on his nerves all the time, your billet dad. He, he comes into the office and says, you know what these kids did to me this time? So what What are you guys doing? How is it living with uh, Eric and Candy? I mean, no, they're they're really good billets. They feed us well. They cheers like their own kids, just like they're supposed to. But I think we just we just like to have fun and really get under his skin. Like the other night we were playing, I don't know if you know what it is, Rummy Cub. Mm-hmm. It's a tile game. <laughs> We started playing some music and just really loud and started jamming it to it. And Eric just wasn't having it. So, I mean, that was just a good time. Yeah, no, it's it's a blast with him. Um, we always find ways to piss him off, though, which is great. So, um, we still haven't really seen how mad he could really get. We're still trying to figure that out. But he doesn't really want us to push him that far, but it might happen. The Reese's <laughs> love being billets. I know that. and And obviously, I think... That whole dynamic right there is what makes being a billet family such a special situation for for the folks in Lincoln and all over junior hockey. It's it's such a unique opportunity to uh, to bring these players into your home. They become a part of your family and a part of your life. And, um, you know, it's much more than just an, an eight or nine month obligation. It turns into a lifelong friendship with uh, with the player and with the player's parents and, and family. I think it's pretty awesome. And then Carter's uh, parents opened their homes up to us in Pittsburgh. So you want to talk about that relationship a little bit. You, uh, Your parents did, certainly did not have to do that, and it was an awesome night for us. Again, you were you were not there, unfortunately. I think they knew you weren't coming, and they're like, all right, well, now we got to have the whole team out instead yeah, of Yeah, that wasn't planned until, <laughs> yeah. until I wasn't going to be there. No, they, you know, uh, Mr. Shade reached out to me right away and said, hey, you guys are coming into Pittsburgh. We'd love to be able to host the team for a meal and uh, – it's such a gracious offer, and, and obviously we took them up on it. And I know the players had a really good time. The staff did as well, and, and we're just so fortunate to have great families from our, our players and the Shades, you know, being one of them that, that are happy to uh, to give back to the to the organization and to the players. Cameron, have your parents been able to come to Lincoln for a game yet this season? No, they haven't. They're planning on coming down in March, though. Nice. For- I think we have two home games in a row, so that's when they're planning on coming down. Better get out of Ontario. It's locking down again, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's really bad now. It's... What is that like as a goaltender? Uh, I mean, I know for my dad, he'll he'll nitpick my broadcasting. I know Shader's dad probably does the same thing with his play in the defensive zone. As a goalie, it's so much different because the spotlight is just so much on you. Do you hear it from your parents sometimes, uh, good and bad, right after games? 
Uh, not really. I mean, they tell me usually, uh, my dad usually tells me to keep my glove up and uh, <laughs> don't get mad. So those are usually, they don't. That's pretty good advice. Well, Kevin Pash clearly so. didn't follow that notion on Saturday, just slamming his stick over the crossbar. I wouldn't have been. Normally, I would say I wouldn't have been buying him a new one, but uh, but the way he played that night, I think you got to maybe just get him a new stick. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Have you ever broken your stick on a crossbar before, Cameron? No. no my okay. dad would kill me if I did that. <laughs> so would I, for the record. So. <laughs> Cameron Carter, thank you so much for joining the program. You guys did awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us. Rocky, any it. last words for the basketball fans listening to tonight's show? I'm sure there's a rerun <laughs> of Family Guy on that you can watch instead of an NBA game. <laughs> Rico, thanks so much for helping out. I'm Cristiano Simonetta. We'll see you guys next Tuesday.